Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, and this is Decode Your Burnout. I'm excited to announce that for the next four weeks, we're going to be changing things up a bit. Instead of having a guest interview, we're going to be featuring a replay of a live event I did with the Burnout Panel. The Burnout Panel is a group of six burnout experts, including myself, and we tackle topics salient to burnout, like lowered morale, high turnover rates, productivity, and absenteeism. We even had the chance to answer some audience-led questions, so I know you'll find these truly informative. So if you're struggling with burnout, or if you just want to learn more about it, I encourage you to tune in to these special episodes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your next event, you can reach out to me directly at drsharongrossman.com. Now, without further ado, I present the burnout panel. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the burnout panel. Today, we're talking about increasing employee productivity, but I think this discussion may go in some directions that you may not be expecting because productivity is a symptom, but it may not be the problem. So we're going to be digging into that today. My name is Audrey Holst. I'm the founder of Fortitude and Flow, and I work with uh, companies and individuals to help them uh, anchor into a culture of excellence, not perfectionism. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the fact that productivity is actually the last priority for the mind and body when a person's allostatic load is high. If you're not familiar with this concept of allostatic load, we can also call that the wear and tear on the body. And this is something that a lot of us, I would say maybe everybody is currently experiencing. So the uh, last few years, the pandemic combined with the work environment has really increased people's allostatic load, which is something that is caused by chronic stressors. And there are a couple of things that are going to be important to anchor to during this conversation in order to really understand how we are talking about productivity. Number one, employees cannot run on adrenaline long term, and they have been running on adrenaline for the last few years, especially high performers, especially folks who want to get the work done, especially high performers. All of these people have been hiding their fatigue. And you get to a certain point when that allostatic load is so high, you can't hide the fatigue anymore. The body starts shutting down. The emotions start shutting things down. Stop, stuff stops working. And there is absolutely no reason for productivity to be the number one concern at that point. Um, something that's really going to be important to understand is that rest and downtime is a necessity for productivity. This is not a nice to have. This is not 
not for lazy employees. Rest and downtime is a physical need for a body, especially one that has a very high allostatic load, as we are going to be referencing. Things that we do in 2023 have to be made in 2023. We cannot be thinking about the stuff that worked back in 2019 and try to get back to there because we are at a different location in time. We are at a different place in our workplace. We are a different place with our mind and bodies. So whatever work standards existed back then is not going to be relevant to the solutions that the workplace needs now. So we have to be honest and present about employees' needs right now. Now, so we're going to be talking about these solutions from a holistic viewpoint. And first, we're going to be talking. Uh, Dr. Sandra is going to start bringing us into this whole world that is really, really important for employers to understand right now. And thank you for that intro, Audrey. I'm Dr. Sandra, clinical psychologist and personal energy strategist who is absolutely focused on how do we have the resources we need to actually to sustain this productivity that we want to have, right? How do we actually create that for our people in our workspaces? And how do we help them recognize how they, what, what's happening inside them to bring their best to what matters to them? So when you think about productivity, you want to actually think about this kind of intersection between the demands or challenges of what you're doing and the skills that someone and the resources that someone brings to it. As Audrey started alluding to it, people are overloaded. That's when they can get to that place and they start to feel like it is taking me twice as long to do half as much, twice as long to do half as much. So you can imagine that that actually at some point, when you have people who are high performers, who are good at their work, who are innovative, who are creative, and they start to feel like they can't, often they start to push a little bit harder. So what happens? Load is heavier. And when they're pushing harder, they're also draining their resources. Nobody's actually saying, hey, slow down. So they keep pushing. And when you're in that space and you're not having resource, you don't have the resources you need, you actually just start to say, I'm not sure I'm me anymore. There's this sense of self-doubt that comes and a loss of confidence. So in order to help people find this place of, that some writers like to call flow, where I'm at this space where the demands are here and my skills and my resources are here too. And I got, I got this, right? In fact, I can work with these, man, these demands because why? I have a mission and I have a goal in mind. So with this flow, there's a joy that comes from the challenge. And there's also this sense that there's a real clear mission that this organizational mission also matches something in my own internal mission. So as employers, one of the things that's important for helping people to have this sense of flow, to be in this space where there's joy in their work and there's also a sense of meaning and impact in their work, you want to look at how you're setting up the environment for that. I went into a real estate office um, last year sometime, and they actually had up on the wall their mission and their philosophy. I was like, so every time you walk in here, somebody sees this. So whatever the reminders are that you can put in place that would support people knowing this is the mission, this is what we're going for, and this project is a part of making right this bigger mission happen. When people burn out, they often lose touch with mission, they lose touch with fulfillment. So in order to help them sustain you know, productivity and to feel engaged, we want to actually keep them involved with this mission. So having people get clear about how their own personal values match with this organization. Like, I mean, I know many of us 
no matter what we do, it's like we're at a point in our careers where we don't want to be in places where that don't match our values. And this is something we're seeing about younger generations as well, is that people are looking for work that's fulfilling. So when you do that, you can actually help them make the most of that relationship between the demands and the challenges of the job and the skills and the resources that they have. Being flexible. Some people need flexible work schedules. That's another way to help them like stay there, stay with it, right? Um, but the why behind they're there is, is really important because when you stay in touch with that why, that is like a resource inside of you that matches the resource outside of you, this goal that the organization has that can sustain you over time. So those two things for me, I think are the most important things that employers can do are one is to make sure there's flexibility in the environment. And then the other is to make sure that there's a clear connection between employee purpose and values and organizational purpose, values, mission. I think the last um, thing I would add is something Audrey hinted to is to normalize taking breaks and to put in place buddy systems even where people help each other take breaks, right? And so those are my thoughts on this productivity today. And I'm going to turn it over to Kate, who's going to talk a bit more about how we can be productive in, in the workplace. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Kate Donovan, and I work with organizations to reduce burnout so they can keep top talent, which is currently a massive issue. When I think about productivity, one of the first things that pops into my mind is the study that was released, um, some, I want to say 2017 or 2018, about the fact that when we are distracted, it takes us 23 minutes to get back to the task at hand. 23 minutes. So, Slack emails, text messages, Microsoft Teams, Zoom calls, chats, on and on and on. When we moved to a hybrid and or remote situation, we expected people to be answering our dings all day, every day. And the problem with that is we're not giving people any focus time to get anything done. Earlier, Audrey was saying that there's a there we have an allostatic load and there's an increase in adrenaline. That increase in adrenaline is long term not a great thing, but on a short term helps people focus. However, you can't get the benefit from it if you're aiming to create a focus, if you're starting something and then you are continuously distracted. So as an employer, as a leader, if you can create space within your teams that people are allowed to be on do not disturb for periods of time when they have a particular project that needs focus attention and to get done, really, then give them the permission to have this time. Those distractions will break up their ability to get it done, will distract them, it just makes everything much more difficult. So in a world where every single notification is like beeping at you every four seconds, Yes, exactly. I see Rebecca Reed saying, and for the neurodivergent, it can take even longer. Exactly. So let's really pay attention to the fact that if we want people to stop and focus and be productive, we have to create an environment in which, which in, within which that is acceptable. That is my spiel for today. And I'm going to pass it on to Aileen to give you more. Thank you, Kate. So my name is Aileen Axmeyer. I'm a career coach and workplace wellness speaker over 15 years of experience helping people land work they love, so tapping into that flow. And then I also create customized workshops all around reducing stress and improving the employee experience. So I'm going to piggyback on what Kate shared and talk a little bit more about the structure 
of how that workflow can look. So when we think about the need, there's this balance, right, of being available. So if we're in a hybrid environment and you can't just pop over to someone's cubicle and say, hey, can, can I ask you a quick question about this? There is the need for those Slack teams, emails, et cetera. We have to find that balance of that deep focus time. So what can this look like and what's the science say around it? Dr. Uh, Andrew Huberman, I've probably talked about his podcast before on here, but I am a big, big fan. He has a whole, uh, a really long podcast. I mean, they're all really long if you listen to any of his stuff, but it's, he talks about this thing called the ultradian rhythm or ultradian cycles. So you've probably heard of the circadian rhythm, but this ultradian cycle is the science around how we only have the cognitive capabilities of focusing for 90 minute periods of time at the most. Think about how we set our work days up. And especially if you are a global organization where there's different time zones, there might be people waking up for a call at 7 a.m., 6 a.m., and then working through 8 p.m. their time. And so that's just literally not physiologically, mentally, emotionally, possible in any of the ways to be productive for that duration of time. So the whole theory behind this is that we can try to work with our systems, with work with the way our brains work to maximize that efficiency and productivity. So if you batch out 90 minutes to really have your head down and get things done and then take breaks, you're more likely to be more efficient with the tasks at hand. And the studies show we can then tap into more of that critical thinking, creativity, and more of that innovative way of approaching our work, like Dr. Sandra was saying. But think about the way our day-to-day -day typically goes. Like Kate was saying, bing, 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 all these notifications, but also many people are just slammed in back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings. And there's literally barely a time to... I've countless times I'm running a wellness workshop and people say, yeah, I forget to eat because I'm in meetings nonstop. So this is literally decreasing the productivity and the output of your employees. So can you take that 90 minute max window and start to think about the workflow and create ways for your employees to have that focused activity time and also maybe maxing out people can't have more than 90 minutes of meetings in a row. And then, of course, you can move things around, but there has to be that scheduled in what we call defocused time. So this is giving employees time to do things that do not require the cognitive faculties to be online. So it's washing dishes. If you think about sleep, that's the ultimate defocused time. Uh, if you imagine this akin to doing weight training or weightlifting, you wouldn't do 50 sets all at once. You would do, I don't know, I don't weight train, but uh, <laughs> a couple sets, you take a break, you come back. You have to have that break to then be able to have that output. And the other thing I want to say about this is just thinking about that zooming out in the bigger picture. If you're saying, yeah, yeah, you can have that head down time, but then you are responding to emails during vacation, you're uh, sending emails or asking people to be in touch nights, weekends, you're not walking the talk. So especially for managers and leaders, this is challenging because it trickles down. If you say that defocus time is approved and encouraged, but then you're doing things that kind of negate that or show something different, I'd examine you to think about that trickle down effect and walking the talk more. So I am going to pass it on to Vanessa. 
So they call me the business defibrillator because I essentially help to ignite that spark amongst business owners and helping them to empower their own team members and employees to also continue that spark. Uh, my lovely panelist members here, uh, essentially we went into a lot around low productivity due to burnout, right? So your employees have low productivity due to burnout from doing so many things. But there's also low productivity due to doing so many things that don't give you joy, right? In summary, your employees are bored. Okay, so going back to that idea of flow, right, that Dr. Sandra had brought up, your employees are bored. And I'm going to share a little bit about my experience as an employee when I was in the corporate space and corporate consulting and working with Fortune 500, multi-billion dollar companies, you know, wanting to make more billions of dollars. Okay, and then I'm going to go into a solution, some solutions that you can consider as an employer. So the fact is that I like various things. I like doing many, many different things at once. And it comes to a point in time when, you know, I love solving problems. You know, at some point in time, though, you find yourself solving the same problem. It just gets boring. And so and there are things when, you know, you may find this as well, too, even as a team leader, where there are things in your role that you may find mundane. There are things you enjoy. Yes. Right. You're like, oh, yeah, I like my work. 75 percent of it. But that's 25 percent. Mm. Yesterday, I was connecting with a software engineer and he had been in the field for 15 plus years. Now, the senior manager level, you know, and he was looking to definitely, you know, move up the ladder as well to, to the principal level as well. And he had shared that, you know, 75% of the role he does enjoy, but there's 25% he does not. And you can see that that 25% is what is taking over because as he talks about his job, you can see that there's the level of dissatisfaction, you know, but it's like, yes, he loves 75% of it, but what you see is the 25% and that he doesn't like, and that he doesn't enjoy. Now, of course, with all these layoffs, happening, whether someone is overperforming or underperforming, he's very much like, you know what, let me not rock the boat. I'm just going to keep my head down, manage the team, hit the goals. But, you know, he's still bored. I remember those times when, when I was bored too, right? Maybe you're listening here as a team leader and you've been bored in your role. Maybe you are bored now. Well, guess what? Your employees, your other team members are probably feeling similar things as well, which is then contributing to the low productivity, right? That's another way that they are out of flow is that they are not doing what is fully you know, helping them to, to come back to life, right? And so to help you defibrillate your own team, the main idea here is that you want to make them come to work. You want to make them want to come to work. You want to make them want to enjoy what they're doing. And that looks different. You can do that in different ways, right? If you have a virtual team versus if you have, you know, a everyone comes to the office or everyone comes to the business type of team, it's going to look a little different. But here are some ideas that some of my, you know, when I was a employee, some of my former employers and team leaders did um, here things as well, too, that I do in my current team and even things that I've heard done well as well at other companies. So, for example, and, and Sharon, my fellow panelists will probably add some more stuff. But for example, right, uh, one of the former employers that I used to work for, they had yoga classes. Right. So one of the employees in the office, she was a yoga instructor on the side. And so they schedule something, the organ, the HR team schedule something where they would have like yoga classes like once a week. And so you did that literally during the middle of the day. You went to the locker rooms because the office had locker rooms, changed, did a yoga class, came back, lunch. And, you know, it was something accepted by the team, right? It wasn't like, a, oh, you're not doing any work for like an hour. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Like, no, it was accepted. It was a thing that people did and et cetera, right? Other things that you may be familiar with, I know this was very popular when I was in the consulting space as well, where it's like happy hour, right? You leave the client office and it's time for happy hour. Let's all go out for, for time for drinks or whatever. I, I mostly drank the water, but still, it was still a fun time. Okay, it was still a fun time. Uh, and then, but you can even think of like as well, mini golf, right? Is there like a mini golf place? Is there um, a, or top golf as well too? Top golf is great. 
great place. Uh, but essentially, what are some other events or things or activities that you can do? Or maybe you all, um, like one of my former employees, we used to have like a food truck base, right? And so it was this whole thing where at least once a week, there'll still be someone on the team who would just say, hey, who wants to go out for lunch to the food truck spot and look for food? Okay, but essentially it's making people want to be there, not just from a also, you know, mission and purpose perspective that my peer, uh, Dr. Sandra mentioned, but also from a just enjoying their time, enjoying their experience, right? And so and you can think of it as, you know, that yoga class, that mini golf in the middle of the day or at the end of the, you know, end of the workday. Those are also things that help to shift the mind and provide that break as well too, right, for your employees. And sometimes it's just as simple as, let me not simple, this may not be as simple depending on your hierarchical structure in your company, but even putting a structure in place on your team or at your company where people can move around, right? Or they can take on additional, not necessarily different projects, but additional projects. So for example, I remember when I was uh, an employee and I was working on pricing strategy. And at some point I was, you know, working on pricing strategy for the US team. And essentially I found myself getting bored. You do not want Vanessa bored. Mm -mm. So ultimately what happened is that, well, now I'm, a, now I'm an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, I still don't want myself bored. But what happened was I found myself getting bored, right? Which then means what? Productivity going low. And it's just, you know, trudging along on things, trudging along on things. And so what I did was I connected was and was able to find a project with the Canada team. And so that didn't mean I didn't do my usual U.S. work, but I also then did the U.S. work and then also was able to take on the Canada team. But you as a team leader, think about what right, you're connecting with your peers at the VP level, at the director level. You know, what else is happening in the organization? Do you see that one of your employees, they're taking a little bit longer. They don't, you're going to see it on their face that something just isn't right. Connect with them. Say, hey, there's such and such has a project on this other team. Are you interested in, you know, working in that? They might say yes. They might say no. They might just be like, I didn't even know I could do that, right? And so now they have that in their mind, though. But you as a team leader and employer or yeah, an employer can essentially help to navigate that and help your employees navigate how else can they, you know, bring that joy back into their work. Maybe you can't promote them, but they can still be, you know, get some joy in and what it is that they're doing. So now I'm going to pass it off to... Um, oh, Kate mentioned, yeah, here for adult recess. Absolutely. Right. Lene, yes. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Recess, right? So why not have recess in your adult life? It doesn't have to end. Okay. It doesn't have to end when you're five. Okay. So yes, love, love, love it. All right. So I'm passing it off to my fellow panelists, um, Sharon Grossman, and then we'll open up the floor for Q&A. So if you have any questions, feel free to type in in the chat and we'll get to you then as well. So Sharon, off to you. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I'm Dr. Sharon Grossman. I work with organizations that want to create a workplace environment where employees are engaged, productive, and fulfilled by addressing and preventing burnout. Now, as you've heard here today, there is more than one solution to bringing productivity up. But what I really want to talk about, and I think some of our panelists have already kind of planted this seed, but I want to take it one step further, is I want to talk about leadership and culture. So I just had a session this morning with a client who tends to be a perfectionist and he really leads with his heart. So never would he expect his employees to have the same standards that he has on himself. And what we talked about is that it's important for you as a leader to be a role model because even if you don't have those same standards and you're not bidding your employees up for making mistakes or not having the kind of productivity that you expect, they're watching you. And if you have a different 
set of rules for yourself, they're going to often emulate what you're doing. And that perfectionism and those standards and those unrealistic expectations may end up burning them out and affecting their productivity. So it's not enough to say, everybody has to follow these rules, which takes care of them, but I'm different. It's really important to remember that you are leading this entire company and that even if you're just a manager and you're not leading the whole company, those employees that you're leading are looking up to you. So you have to take that very seriously and not make yourself the exception to the rule. It's important for you to, as somebody here mentioned, really walk the talk. And so what that means is if you have perfectionistic standards, you need to start with you, right? What is it that you believe that creates that standard? Is it a fear of failure? Is it a need to prove yourself? Is there something about if I'm not number one or if I don't do everything perfectly, then you catastrophize what that means, right? Think about what it's like for one of your employees and what you would do or say if they made a mistake or they didn't have the best performance ever. You probably have a lot of compassion for them and are able to lead them with that compassion. But if you're really hard on yourself and you're beating yourself up, then that's going to be problematic. So we really want to think about the kind of culture that you create through your example. And we talked about the idea of not just getting to the goals that you have in terms of your productivity, but also think about the journey of getting there because you can get there in more than one way. You can get there by really pounding the pavement and working super hard and working nights and weekends and never taking a break because you've got so much to do on your list. Or you can incorporate more of that wellness and getting away from the perfectionistic black and white thinking of things where we're really extreme, thinking about how to incorporate and introduce a little bit more flexibility and fluidity so that you have that space to breathe. One of the things I talk to my client about is how, let's say you make a mistake. Yes, you want to incorporate whatever you've learned from that situation so that you grow from that experience. But in between the mistake and the fixing of it or the problem solving, you want to take that moment to just get in touch with your emotions because oftentimes we feel disappointed if you've worked really hard and you've experienced failure, you're going to experience something emotionally. So take that time out for yourself to really breathe some humanity into the experience before you jump into the solution. Again, the idea here is we're not robots. And if we are going to be doing this in a sustainable way, we have to take into consideration the human element, which includes our emotions. So you've heard so many really great tips here today, and I really hope that you take some of these ideas and you run with them. And we'd love to hear in the comments also, whether you're watching this on replay or live, what you're going to do. And to just close this out, I know we're gonna have some Q&As and I'm gonna pass it over to Vanessa and then Audrey. Yes, so essentially, a question that we got and is, do we think that burnout has gotten worse, right? And I think this is coming from the space of there are, you know, layoffs happening and such of that nature, 
as well too in this world, or at least in some industries, not all industries, but in some industries. Um, and there are people, you know, I think there was an article recently about how a lot of CEOs have, you know, quit ultimately as well too. But yes, what are the panelists' thoughts here, right? The burnout panel thoughts on, do we think that burnout has gotten worse? Kate, raise hand. I'm raising my hand, teacher. Can I speak now? I think burnout is, first of all, we've gotten language around it. So May 28th, 2019, the World Health Organization decided burnout was a thing. So first of all, we're going to hear more about it because if you're looking for yellow cars, you're going to find yellow cars. We're looking for burnout. We're going to find more burnout. It's also more common to talk about it. So we're going to have more people talking about it. That being said, what I see happening is, you know, when you are stressed for an extended period of time, you go on vacation, you end up sick or with a headache. We talked about this on our last panel. The same thing is happening on a grander scale. Everybody's stress hormones went through the roof during the pandemic. We maintained, we maintained, we maintained, we maintained. Now things are normal-ish, as normal as they're ever going to get again. Things are starting to come back down. And now people's bodies are reacting. Now people have the space to actually feel what they've been feeling for the past two years. Now is when all the symptoms show up. We saw this in um, as an acupuncturist. I was an acupuncturist for 15 years. I saw this consistently as a pattern over the years. So I think that it's what's happening now is this is just happening on a grander scale. If that makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. Love, love. Any other thoughts that any of the panels want to share? Yes, Dr. Sandra. Yeah, um, I had a, a similar thought, which is that um, because the pandemic pushed us to change the way we work so so rapidly, like, bam, we didn't have a choice. Like, everybody had to change the way they work. Even people who worked online had to change because their clients weren't even in the places they usually are, right? So we had we got to this place where there was, a, like, it's really traumatic in some sense, right? There's a real trauma that happens when people are shocked. It's like a shock that happens. So we're at the place now where we're trying to heal it. So even though, I don't even know, probably... 20, 30 years ago, people who work in professional development were talking about the personal energy crisis. We now have big organizations like Microsoft talking about a human energy crisis because they have so many different layers in the organization from the people who are doing the sort of front forward facing to the people who are directing it all, envisioning it. There's like this piece where they're saying all of us are exhausted. Everybody doesn't have what they need to flourish. So we have to step back and take a look. I think what's happened is we've been pushed to really look at how do we do work in a way that's sustainable and that fulfills us and that allows us to grow and evolve. That's where I think we are. So we can't get there without looking at the problem, burnout, exhaustion, you know, this sort of perfectionism, all these things that we talk about are the pieces that have to be solved in order for us to get to this place where we're working in a different way that is sustainable, that allows people to grow and that makes an impact in the world. Love it, love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Sharon, I see you're unmuted. What to say? <laughs> awesome, awesome. So if you have any other questions, uh, if you are watching us and you have any other questions, feel free to type in the comments or chat. If you are watching the replay, 
because you signed up to watch replay. Yes. Uh, then also type in your questions as well. We love seeing them in the comments and we'll definitely we keep an eye out. We want to keep an eye out as well, too. And oh, Anne said, this is a great panel. I've gotten a lot. Thank you, Anne. Appreciate you. Thanks. Um, oh, wait, I'm speaking for the entire group. Yes. Uh, we appreciate you, Anne. <laughs> Um, but yes, yes, yes. Love, love. And Lene, uh, she shared, some people think it was just 2020, but we forgot there were a whole lot of other things pre-2020. Absolutely. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. To what Kate uh, mentioned as well, it's like the, the topic got a lot more, you know, steam. Um, but I know that I was talking about growing a business without burnout even before 2020. Okay. You wrote a book on it, you know, and I know Kate was had her podcast for a whole bit, for a whole while. Right. So, um, definitely, definitely, definitely. So it's always been there and it's just, we are putting ourselves in a place to address it even further. Um, especially including with this burnout panel as well too. We come here every single month. Um, so I'm pass off the floor to Audrey to close us out and learn more about how you can connect with us. Yeah, exactly what Vanessa said. We've been, we do this every single month. So last month we talked about, um, we talked about high turnover rates and that's a big topic and we got a lot of interactivity on that. So please head on back and take a look at that. Our next topic next month, we're going to talk about decreased morale and engagement. We've got a lot of topics we're going to continue to talk about. And if there are ones that you want to see us cover, let us know. And this panel is available for keynotes. This panel is available for paneling. This panel is available for workshops. We are for hire. This is work that we do professionally. This is work that we do as individuals and as a collective. And this is something that as you've been listening to us, we're not talking about computers getting tired. We're not talking about technology getting tired. We are talking about human beings experiencing these challenges and how that impacts a company and the company's bottom line. So all of the solutions that we talk about are human-centric solutions. And these are things that are going to be number one on the list for, for people going forward. This is not going away. This is only going to continue. So this is work that the earlier you implement it, the earlier you start to get folks like us on board um, in your organization, the faster, the better the results are going to be because these problems are not going away anytime soon. So make sure that you are following us at the burnout panel. Make sure that you are uh, registering for these events so you can get the replays. Make sure you are following us as individuals because every single expert in this group is constantly posting really high quality, high value content. And, um, and this is something, the more you want to feel like there are solutions, this is the kind of group that you want to be following. You want to be following folks who have solutions and who are going to continue to um, work towards a better workplace. So thank you so much for joining us today and uh, keep those questions coming. We look forward to seeing you again next month. And I saw that we did have a quick question from the group uh, from a very active participant. So I wanted to make sure we addressed her. She was very active today, you know, uh, but she shared, how do we change work culture? And so I just want to address that. We're actually going to talk about that next month. Follow along. So uh, see you next month. <laughs> okay, cool.